Welcome to Nice Minds, everybody. I am your host, Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC. I am joined by a very, very special guest, my friend Ali, a.k.a. Egypto Knuckles. Oh, thank you for having me. How are you doing, my dude? I'm good, man. Chilling, maintaining in the Rona times, as they say. But, you know, yes, nonetheless, sir. maintaining. That's that's the only place to be. 2020 is crazy, my dude. Oh, it's like five years packed into one right now, man. That's for how real. I feel about 2020, for real. So how I know you is through the music scene, obviously. <laughs> but I've always looked at you as a mentor of sorts because... You, you're a dude that I met you in probably 2007, I want to say. It's been yeah. probably 13 or 14 years at this point. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I used to roll up to a spot where you used to be chilling and smoking shisha all the time called Yafa. Yep. Rest yep. in peace, Yafa. R.I.P. It's crazy because I used to always, I feel like I would, I would go up there year round, but I feel like it was always in the winter around December and January. Yep. Yeah. mostly it and it was probably like years ago on you know today's december 23rd that we're recording this and i feel like i i frequented yafa with you on december 23rd yeah that sounds about right it seems like it was like right before christmas yeah it was always and, pre-xmas eve and stuff like that that yep. everybody would be coming up to chill so so yeah. yeah this this is very fitting that we're we're doing this on this <laughs> night love it when i really started putting together my music and stuff, I feel like I would come to you often for advice and, mm -hmm. and just your take on things and stuff like that. So uh, talk to the people about your background in music. Like, how did you get started like as a DJ and all that stuff, your love of music growing up, all that stuff? I was already like, you know, growing up, I was a music head. Like, you couldn't tell me shit. I was walking around with like, just like a Walkman or a Discman and stuff like that. The one group that kind of like, bust my head open was De La Soul. So like for me, that was like my, uh, that's my Beatles. You know, a lot of people would consider Wu-Tang the Beatles now, but like, I think what I always liked about De La is the fact that I could peel back layers from them and stuff like that and just get into all these different types of music and stuff like that just from what I heard yep. on their records. So I made a conscious decision to be like, well, you know, nobody I know really is doing anything in like arts communication, entertainment, anything of that nature that I know of in like my culture, at least, or my background, because for those that don't know, I, I identify as a, as a Swana slash Middle Eastern person. Where I come from, at least in my culture, like you either become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, and worst comes to worst, you start your own business. Yep. So for me, I remember listening to people like Casey Kasem on the radio and the Weekend Top 40, yep. hearing uh, the listener request letter and stuff like that, and wanting to be like, damn, I want to I want to do that someday. And then like, as I grew up more and started research and as the advent of Wikipedia came along and stuff like that, it was just like, you know, I didn't know that he was Lebanese at the time. So it was already like, there was already a voice present for me to kind of be like, okay, that's the stepping stone for me. I'm going to go ahead and really give it all I got for it. So 1999, I started going to the U on a media communications degree. I graduated in 2002, but in 1999 specifically, I had uh, gotten uh, an internship at Radio K where I literally just went in, filled out the application. They were like, okay, you start next week. And it was starting out with just like reviewing music in the library or like adding music for rotation and stuff like that. 
to then starting to learn the production setup, starting to learn mixing board, learning off of a program called DJ Pro, which in a lot of ways was like a bootleg version of Pro Tools. From there, they were like, okay, well, you've put in enough grout work. Let's see how you can do as a co-host. And so I started co-hosting the Beatbox from 1999 to 2006. Won uh, three City Pages Awards for Best Hip Hop Radio Program in the Twin Twin Cities, along with my friend Mike Lover, who was the main host as well. And, you know, got to know the hip hop scene at large through there. And then um, after I had retired in 2006, you know, I started like seeing like a lot of things bubbling up. Like, I think by 2006, the first Doomtree blowout had happened, Um, you know. Rhyme series to a large extent was starting to get like up and coming in the scene and stuff like that. You know, I know all these dope ass individuals from MySpace and through the message board DU Nation. Shout out in RIP to DU Nation and shout out to Lars shout one time. Out to DU Nation, yeah. um, which is how I got to know most of the hip hop scene at large. So I would just host these building sessions for anyone that wanted to come hang, get advice, get wisdom, whatever, because I already knew the radio side and the promotion side of things. And maybe I could pair that with like people who are already doing music from like a DJing perspective, a production perspective, or a rapping perspective to understand where they're coming from, fill out, fill out our gaps in information and stuff like that, and just lend wisdom however I could. I ran BNC with a collective individuals, you know, that you grew to know as well with DQD and Lyrical, Tone Crusher Smith, Fingers, Status Rain, JL McGee, and um, Legend Hazard. And we lasted until about 2016, when everybody got a life and everybody got kids and everybody got real ass jobs, because you know you gotta, if it ain't paying the bills, then you kind of gotta figure some shit out. Right. So that's kind of how it is. So like for me, I was just like, well, you know, I figured like I put, I dumped all my savings into this one specific endeavor to make a label happen. But in the process of that, like a lot of other roots started kind of like fermenting from the ground and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like for example, like. One specific route was my skill as a writer because I'd really gotten good at writing press releases for the label and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. like from there it was like, hey, why don't you come and review for this website here? And so I wrote for like about, in my heyday, about three different blogs, one that was Twin City specific and one that was based on a national scale right when Twitter was up and popping and stuff like that. And then from there, um, through the writing, like a lot of people started to identify me as a guy who they would go to for press. So then I started like writing rappers, press releases and stuff like that. And then like I linked up with Jake Heinitz, shout out to Jake Heinitz. And uh, me and him basically started up Green Room Magazine as like a Kickstarter endeavor. And then um, from there, really, it was just like after after that, I kind of grew little bit jaded from the scene as a whole like i didn't really feel like making music and stuff like that so i just yep. largely led in a consultation for the most part which was basically like talking to you talking to dwinell roland who all the stuff he's doing now is from my playbook and he'll tell it to you straight up as that's far crazy. as that's concerned yep. and then from there it's just like been a hodgepodge of stuff where it's been doing freelance reporting a lot for Minnesota Public Radio with their Art Hound segment and as well as for The Current, having to write articles after Prince's passing and stuff like that and reporting on the hip-hop scene on a larger scale to try to give it like the more of the Minnesota Public Radio, National Public Radio flair, so to speak, from a writing perspective. And then um, just recently, obviously, I... I started my own TV show with uh, Adam J. Dunn. Shout out to Adam. Uh, we did a show called Tacos and Tastemakers that, you know, just got done with its pilot season just this past October. So, yeah, it's... What a ride, man. It's crazy. <laughs> nice, man. 
Yeah. So uh, tacos and tastemakers, how did that really come to be? I, I, I've loved what I've seen so far. I, I love it. I mean, because you love tacos. Like everybody, everybody that follows Egypto knows his love for tacos. I mean, yeah. tacos like weekly. I mean, before the pandemic hit, obviously. But I mean, it would just be like like a new post every week of like whatever tacos you were you were and it, like you would frequent you know different places around the twin cities and you go you go out to la frequently and you'd go yeah. to like a bunch of taco places around there so um i definitely know how the title came to be um so how <laughs> did you how did you really start forming that i think uh the way that i started forming tacos and tastemakers was that there was an ask from minnesota public radio i'd been applying for jobs at that time because i was you know i'm already knee deep in a corporate job right now Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, there had been a couple of opportunities where, um, NPR, the current had encouraged me to apply and I did. And like, I wouldn't make it past like the first or second phone interview. Oh yeah. And probably because like I was trying to already do too much at the time. So I had to silo myself down, but you know, what was cool was that the, the station manager saw potential in me and he was like, Hey, why don't you come meet with our web developer and pitch us some ideas? So pitched them like a boiler room concept idea that would be done live at the current studios. Um, I presented another idea about a long form podcast that would be called like the basement. And what it would be is it would be a multi-chapter episode, like serial about like classic albums. Oh yeah. So like one of them would be about like, you know, like say Boogie Down Productions, Criminal Minded, and we would just do nine different chapters about each track on the album and the influence that led to it and stuff like that really doing a deep dive into the album. And then the third thing that I pitched to them was a thing called the food wrapper, W in parentheses. Mm -hmm. So basically the concept for the food wrapper was just like basically taking my love of food and taking my love of music, merging them together into one TV show, a la Bourdain's No Reservations or Bourdain's Parts Unknown. Straining that with like comedians in cars getting coffee where it's just like literally a conversation about the art. I pitched to them the idea of the food wrap, but they're like, we love it. And it's like awesome that you've already got like a top-down approach to this. But uh, why don't you narrow down the scope? So I was like, all right, well, I have this other idea that I'm working on. It's still kind of a sketch, but I'm calling it Tacos and Tastemakers. And they're like, what's that? So I explained to them the concept of Tacos and Tastemakers. They're like, well, we want five episodes off the bat from you. Like, perfect. Cool. So from there, uh, my friend Sarah Dope and another friend of mine, uh, Mandy, shout out to Mandy, who's living in Asia right now. We would always go out for hot pot and Adam Dunn would always be around us. Like, and we would just all be conversating. And like, I love Adam. Like Adam's like a brother to me because like we would always just eat and shoot the shit. So I was like, man, it would be really awesome to work with him on a project one of these days. And so like as soon as the current gave me the offer and I signed the contract, I was I I I contacted Adam while he was out in LA doing work, and I was like, "Hey, how'd you feel about shooting a food show with me?" And he was like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "I had I have this amount of money set aside for you. I'm gonna pay pay you entirely, and and I've already got all the logistics locked down. Let's do it." He was like, "Cool, I'm with it." So we literally in December of 2018 shot basically every Saturday at five different taco spots with different guests every week. And, you know, I already had it logistically figured out. He just needed to point, shoot, and have everything edited down and stuff like that. And then, like, COVID hit in March, obviously, yep. March of this year. So now I have all these episodes, and, I, and me and Adam are just, like, trying to think, like, well, what do we do? I'm like, well, 
why don't we just take out the two that we're not the most fond of and that we can do research on at a later time and let's just present the three best ones. Let's just bring the three best ones to the table. And I was immediately with it. So I went ahead and launched it on my own via YouTube channel and basically a taco rap that was heard around the world. You know what I'm saying? Me freestyling yeah. over Nerd and Rihanna's Lemon doing, yep. doing a rap about tacos. That was sick. And then, and then launched three episodes every other Tuesday thereafter just to kind of like, you know, really tell the story of the Twin Cities music scene that I know and love. Yeah, yeah I especially loved the episode with uh, Tim from Urban Lights. Shout out to Tim, man. Tim's yeah. a real one. I love For that real. dude. Yeah. Uh, cause that, yeah, that episode was super informative. It was super cool to just hear the background of, of, uh, a Twin Cities music staple. I think what was cool about it the most is that, you know, we mentioned like a lot of record stores get lost in the fray. So yep. like, you know, when we mentioned like Electric Fetus, when we mentioned Cheapo, when we mentioned like other record stores of that nature, Urban Lights is one that I always find gets lost in the fold yeah. and they've been black owned and operated for over 30 years and what yep. they've contributed specifically to the hip hop R&B and black music scene in general here in the twin cities is insurmountable. You yep. know what I'm saying? And I think like it was important to showcase Tim because of the fact that I think he's a direct student of Prince in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. I talk to a lot of people about Prince and everybody wants to talk to me about Prince just because I have like a collection of all things Prince. Yep. But at the same time, the way that I look at it is Prince laid the foundation yeah, but we were always meant to build buildings atop that foundation to, yep. to create a sturdy structure out of it, right? So Tim is one of those people that built a sturdy structure out of it and really made it work for him. Like from opening Urban Lights Music to managing people like Next and Naughty by Nature and countless others, and you know, hearing stories of like how Outcast and Atmosphere battled one day when an out, when Outcast did an in store and stuff That's like so that. That's so crazy. Those yeah. are those are stories that need to be told. Those are yep. stories that always consistently go missing. Agreed, man. I really agree. And and to to hear that he's still standing is is great. I mean, how how is he doing currently? Do you know? He's doing good. Um, like he's been holding a couple of like you know socially distant events here and there. Nice. Up at the record shop and stuff like that for like he does an event every Saturday called Faders Up for DJs to kind of like get some knowledge if they want to get knowledge on tables and stuff like that. He's also doing an event like, you know, at the end of every month, like where it's kind of just like artists come in and just do like a performance or like kind of like do a freestyle showcase, so to speak, where it's just an open mic night. So that's been really cool as well. And aside from that, he's still running the record store full time. So Super I think cool. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like we need people like him in this scene so mm -hmm. much. I mean, just the history and just what he does for the culture, we definitely mm -hmm. need him. And we need people like you, you know, to just keep it going and, and keep the conversation alive and and keep, you know, doing that. So um, as far as the scene goes this year, what are your thoughts on a lot of stuff? Like, what do you what, what do you think the scene is going to be like going forward? You know, in a lot of ways, like what happened with the scene in particular, um, first off, I mean, like, I believe the women wholeheartedly yep. and unequivocally without that goes without stating. Um, secondly, you know, it's a big question mark to me. And yep. I, the reason why I say it's a big question mark to me is because, like, there's that Minnesota piety that that permeates through everything. And I'm kind of like seeing it now at my old age and stuff like that, as opposed to previously when I was just kind of like happy go lucky and was able to work through stuff. Yeah. But like now I'm seeing like this, this type of piety where like 
you know, a lot of serious grievances have been brought up in general yeah. with the music yep. scene and the way that it operates in general. And there are a lot of people who have been gatekeeping and stuff like that. I, I'm yeah. probably one among them. I'm not going to lie about that either. Um, but I think at the same time, for me, I've always been, I've always tried to be as hardworking as I can. I tried to share resources as much for as sure. I can. And I'm going to continue to do so until the wheels fall off, you know? Um, I don't need to be at the forefront of every conversation and I don't need yep. to be, you know, the person who dictates where the scene goes next because I think the scene will figure that out for itself. But what I hope doesn't happen is that it falls into this thing where we all collectively speak with this one voice about like the changes that we'd like to see happen and stuff like that. And then like once everything gets back to a sense of normalcy, like nothing happened. And right. that's worrisome to me. Yep. So I'm hoping that some sustainable changes in the works and that is able to be developed the right way from the ground up. So yep. that's, that's all that I can hope. Yep. And um, if people need my advice and wisdom to lend that change, I'd be happy to lend it. But at the same time, I think I'm fine also with, if I'm, if my voice isn't necessary, then I'm, I'm, I'm taking a step back from it and allowing people to figure that out until they can figure out what it looks like. Definitely. I totally agree. I haven't really had the conversation. I mean, I've been having a similar conversation with everybody about changes that are going to happen going forward, but I haven't really had the conversation about the the grievances that have happened in the scene uh, mm -hmm. this year, and specifically with um, the women coming out about all of the um, allegations of abuse and stuff. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it was shocking, but at the same time, not all too surprising. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, I really, really hope that there are some major changes going forward. And I feel like there inevitably has to be. I feel like this this is this is the year that a lot of things it's it's like a purging year almost. A lot of things mm -hmm. are coming up to the surface and we're getting to to look at all these things that have always been there, but mm -hmm. you know, hiding, I guess, beneath it, you know, and now we get to yeah. see it full front and you know, pick and choose kind of, you know, who we still rock with going forward and what, mm -hmm. you know, what it's going to look like and stuff. And I, and I, I agree with you that I do feel like, like certain voices are going to be important, but if our voices aren't, then, you know, let's, let's get those voices who are, you know, do need to be heard. And that's another reason why I'm, I, I doing this podcast because I want to talk to different voices and different people who, uh, mm -hmm. who want to move the culture forward and, and want to do things like that. Absolutely. No, and no, and that's no question. I think, I think it's important for culture to progress, shift and evolve, like just yep. as it always has been, you know, um, I mean, DJ Premier, underground, we're going to live forever. We just like roaches, never die and always living. Yep. That's for it. Real. Yep. For real. I agree, man. So what, uh, what do you have in the pipeline? Do you have anything creatively or are you just... Kind of just doing your thing? You know, I just kind of did the pilot season recently of Tacos and Tastemakers, so I'm marinating upon what my next thing is, like whether that's another season of Tacos and Tastemakers, what that looks like and stuff like that. But I'm kind of learning to be silent for a little bit just to kind of oh, like yeah. figure out how to how to how I want to do it. Because like, you know, there's a lot of things that, again, that, as you stated, have come to light. And I think it's important that 
if I am to do another season of Tacos and Tastemakers, that I want to bring those voices to the forefront. And yep. specifically those that have been neglected from the business community at large. Because while a lot of white business owners have been talking about the hardships that befell them and stuff like that, I think it's important to recognize the ones that black um, and non-black people of color and indigenous peoples have been suffering for the longest time with regards to those businesses. Um, I mean, like, you know, those businesses are getting hit hard twice over because of the pandemic situation. I think it's important to focus upon their history and their lineage and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, I do want to focus those conversations on that as well and kind of like focus on that story too. But again, it's all, it's all in my mind right now. And it's kind of, and I'm kind of like trying to be a little bit more pragmatic in my approach as well as like, being able to kind of like see the things with a bird's eye view and figure out, you know, what's the proper way to present it in a conversation and kind of like bring all these truths to the forefront, so to speak. So that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. So, yeah. I like that, man. I mean, I think it's definitely been a year of self-reflection for, Mm -hmm. you know, for everybody. And if, and if you didn't do a lot of self-reflection, you weren't doing 2020, right. You know, like I just, did you even 2020 bruh? Like, yeah, for real. I mean, for me, I'm still going to be here DJing whether whether or not people need me. But like, you know, for me, like I'm now learning that, you know, trying to do any sort of thing like from an entertainment point of perspective. Because I mean, like I did the thing to try to do it for profit. I drained most of my savings as a direct result of yep. it. You know, I did I did that thing. And, you know, I, def- I definitely took it as an L. Yep. But like the great thing about it was that at the end of the day, when it all came to a cease and stuff like that, I think the best thing is that um, I owed nobody anything. So, because like everybody got paid. So that was the key thing for me as far as that's concerned. So like, you know, I wanted to make sure that people got paid and not only that, but got paid their worth. I didn't want to, I didn't want to us people down to like, you know, try to like, you know, meet me at a homey price or anything of that nature. I was, I was always about paying people what they're worth. That's important to me now more than ever. So like, I'm not kind of, not so focused on like trying to do stuff for a profit incentive or things of that nature. If there's a way that I can get it covered so that it's a net zero type effect where you're not really losing money, but you're not getting money either. That's kind of a good and stable place to be sometimes, you know? So figure it out in due time. That's all I can do. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, um, these days I never really approach any creative endeavor with dollar amount in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I kind of just do it for the love. And Mm -hmm. if, if it ends up making me a career or money in the end, then great. But, um, but that's not why I'm doing this podcast. That's not why like I'm really doing the sample packs. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, I just come from a very, uh, a very innocent place in that regard, like you're saying, like a very, um, cause I, I just want to make sure that nobody's getting screwed over and I'm doing it from a very genuine place. So yeah. I really admire that. And I've, I've always admired the way that you roll within the scene and the way that you treat people in that regard. I mean, what, what do you even see record labels going forward? Cause I feel like it's, it's the record label in general is slowly going by the wayside. Cause it seems like, like crews, like, like Brockhampton, you know, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, they do everything in house and I feel like they're all very, they're very much know their roles and stuff like that. Like media companies like that, that are, that are popping up that are like, 
you know, almost like Wu-Tang in a sense, um, almost feel like that is the future of labels. I mean, do you think that labels will always have a place or do you think that things are kind of changing in that regard? I think it's changing. Um, And I think it's changing in in a lot of different ways. Like if you look at Griselda and what they're doing Mm -hmm. and what Alchemist is doing, especially with his like ALC laboratories. Oh, yeah. Where it's just kind of like all about like the merch bundles, the merch bundles, the merch bundles. And then like, you know, oh, I've got this one-off collaboration with this artist. And like, you know, you can only cop it through my site and we're going to do these super high-end vinyl pressings and all this good stuff and stuff like that. I think that's you know, one way to look at it as far as that's concerned, as far as like how the label structure is a lot different. Cause like now to sign with a major label is more so a liability than it is a, a benefit. Yeah. Because now they're all operating that they want a piece of everything that you have handed. Everything. Yep. Here's another question for you. So like now you're, so now you're on the other side of it, right? With running nice entertainment and stuff. Yeah. What would you say is the one thing that you learned about wearing multiple hats within there? That it's, overwhelming oh um, isn't it yeah yeah it was it's hard man it is hard i mean <laughs> having to deal with all those different personalities and all stuff the different like personalities that. oh man I, and i and i am still like like you you know you're still friends with everybody at bnc like i'm still friends with everybody that's been involved uh there's no bad blood but i found myself and it was just to be honest with for the last couple years, I mean, cause I've had a bunch of personal setbacks and stuff, things have gotten really hard for me to kind of manage it. And then when this year hit, I had to social distance and I found myself even just getting stressed out with the group chat. Like, you know, I don't wish being a CEO for like, or like the leader of a crew on anybody. Yeah. Cause like, man, do you have to figure out some stuff? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had to be, I had to be, the PR guy to get stuff to the press. I had to be the guy who had to walk in the CDs to retail. I had to be the guy who dealt with the college pro- radio promotions yep. guy. Who I had to be the person that hung up all the posters, like, you know, made sure to take vacation days to go hang up posters and like record yep. stores and stuff like that. Um, you know, trying to make sure that all the acts on, you know, whatever performing bill are like got their pay, you know, making yep. sure that I met up with TQD to be like, here are the envelopes and here's everybody's money. Make sure you give it to them accordingly. Make sure everybody's cool. If they got yep. issues, tell them to contact me and we can talk it out. You know what I'm saying? So, like, dealing with that shit is a whole clusterfuck of shit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my I wore a million hats as well. My, my, the, my two main were, like, the most stressful because I was booking agent, uh, like, promoter, and I was executive producer slash engineer. Mm-hmm. So it was insane wearing those two hats on a regular basis and among the other hats that I had to wear. So not only was I was overseeing every single step of some of these albums. I mean from from the beats to the to the writing to the uh recording, you know, producing and then, you know, oh we have to book this release party and you know, I was seeing to it that I found all the other acts and, you know, I talked to the uh the owners and all that stuff made sure everybody got paid. And it was just, it's a lot, man. A lot. And it is a lot. People don't but, really. Yeah. People don't know. I mean, like people don't know what it takes to be a boss until they become the boss. Yep. Exactly. You know, and I, and I had to learn it several times over the hard way. You know what yep. I'm saying? And I think like now that I'm just doing it for myself, it's a lot different. 
because yep, now I can same. be more pragmatic about it. I can be more focused yep. about it and I can be, and I could still have it and I can operate with a tunnel vision now. Whereas before I had to make sure that I saw everything. I'm definitely like, I'm still going to operate nice entertainment, but it's going to be different things like this podcast and uh, my sample packs and uh, you know, my production and just different things that I'm doing in that regard. And I still want to use it as a thing to help others and to, um, lift other people's voices. Um, but I'm still kind of figuring out exactly what that's going to be. One thing that COVID's taken away in a lot of ways is the fact that I can't break bread with people oh, like yeah. I used to. Yep. Cause like, just like being able to break bread and share a meal together to kind of like break down those silos and break down those ideas and mm-hmm. kind of like really focus on what you, what game you can lend them to help like make their creative endeavors pop and vice versa, because it's always a knowledge share. It's like a, it's like an exchange. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's a free thought exchange and that I enjoy more than anything else in the world, you know, man. Yeah. You're right, man. It's a, it's an in-person touch that's just missing right now. Yeah. So the other thing about like, you know, the social media world as it is now mm-hmm. is that people are focused on like gratifying and lauding themselves with like critical praise and stuff like that. COVID is the first time where people now really have to photograph their mon- the mundanity in their life. Yeah. Like for me, like it's been all about getting my clipper game right so I don't have to go to the barber and no, for real. Pay, pay $20 or wear the face mask and all that stuff. So like that's one that's one part of it for me is like focusing on that. The other part of it is just kind of like, you know, trying to make sure that I get enough movement in my day because yeah. like I'm moving from, you know, my office, which is a kitchen table upstairs back to a couch back to that and then going to sleep and then doing it all over again. And that yep. repetitious cycle for the pl- past nine months plays, plays a hell of a toll on your body. Oh, definitely. Like for me, I haven't really been focused on posting much, but like if I do post, it'll be like with a specific story in mind or things of that nature that kind of like moved me or look back at a memory and stuff like that. Like, um, you know, this time last year, I actually took my first work trip solo and, you know, it was for my corporate job. So I went mm-hmm. to Jacksonville, Florida for two weeks. And it was the, it was the first time in, a, in my lifetime, personally, where I traveled solo. This was the first time where it was literally no agenda aside from work. And, like, I had responsibility to handle a rental car and hotel and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. And then, like, show up to work because, like, my work was five minutes away from the hotel that I stayed at. But in the downtime, I went and found this like this place called Wolfson Records in like this bevy of warehouses in like Jacksonville. And like I sat there for like four hours just by myself in my own wonderland, just like digging through 45s, digging through records. That's dope. One of the best things that I found there was uh, a copy of Nine Inch Nails, the Downward Spiral on tape. Oh, sick. That was, that was, I, I was like, I was geeking. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And like, what was hilarious about the whole trip was that, you know, like, you know, Florida's nearby the Atlantic Ocean. So for me, I was like, I was like, well, I'd never been to the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm going to make it a point to go to the beach, even yeah. if it's rainy, if it, even if it's cloudy, I'm going to just go there and spend like, at least like an hour, just quiet and just like, go see it. 
Yep. My job was like, hey, you know, y'all can go back home to your families if you need to for Christmas Day, whatever. And everybody took that offer except for me. I was like, nah, I want to stay and explore. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, if I got the two weeks to myself, I might as well, right? You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, so like I I spent that day handsomely. Like I went, like I woke up at like 7:30 in the morning at the butt crack of dawn and like literally coasted down for a half hour on the highway to the beach. And I just parked my car and just sat there. And it and like, you know, I w- walked out from the pier, got out to the sand, and I just chilled. And it nice. was it was an amazing feeling, man. I I miss traveling, man. I think one lesson that I learned early on was that, you know, in the scene, a lot of people kind of look down on you when you have a corporate job or like a regular job that you have yep. to work. And, you know, they're always like, oh, man, come on, hang out with us, have a drink, yep. you know, smoke some, like come through. I was never about that. Like, right. yeah, you know, never been like that. if, 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 if anything, like when I went out to a show, I was trying to be out of there as early as possible. Yep. Unless Same. it was like some people I really dug, then I stuck around for a little yep. bit. But like, I never like, you know, again, drank or anything of that nature or got out of place with it just because of the fact that, you know, I was more, more so aware of my temple. And I was just like, I, I want to keep it clean at the very least, because yep. like, I'm really not trying to like cause any more further damage to myself or anything of that nature. So, yep. and I think that's important. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think like what the great thing about the corporate job is, is it gives you structure because yeah. you're like, if you want to treat this passion project, like something that you want to do full time. So you never have to work a day in your life. Well, now you have to kind of plot, strategize, do some bullet points and stuff like that. Now I feel like almost a Kendrick Lamar type of sorts where now I can literally come up with a fully fleshed idea of something. And like, sometimes like when I stare at it and one detail looks off to me, I can just like throw it in the trash or if it looks like something I should develop, I'll just keep going with it. But that's what years of experience gets you. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you kind of figure it out and kind of like move about your way. Definitely. But it also takes all those L's to kind of like really sharpen that mind and know, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What could have been done better? You know? Like you really have to look at it through that constructive critical lens, so to speak, of like trying to figure it out and know where you want to take it. Yeah, I agree. But I think I think it also comes from uh, being willing to try a bunch of different things too. You know, and and I feel like you, among everybody I know, has that experience. I mean, because you have done so many different things, and right. I feel like yeah, now is just kind of the time where you you kind of just need to fall back a little bit and kind of figure out your your next moves and like what's important to you and uh what's important to uh your your voice being uh in the culture absolutely yeah that's i I think that's pretty much my time (laughs) yeah definitely man yeah i was gonna wrap it up pretty quick here anyway man but no it's all good man i appreciate you giving me the time man and for uh, coming on this podcast and for your friendship in general, man. I really appreciate you. No, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, man. No doubt, man. Have a great night. Do the same, man. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace.